0: Now that you're situated, would you please stand? We're going to come before God's word. This is the 18th chapter of Genesis. I believe it's going to appear on the screen in a moment. I'd invite you to read all 10 verses with me. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it, and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is your wife, Sarah? And he said, There in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife, Sarah, shall have a son. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. This is a story told about Don Shula who for many years was coach first of the Baltimore Colts and then later uh, the Miami Dolphins and still has the last uh, uh, perfect season and Super Bowl championship way back with the Dolphins more than 40 years ago. Stories told that after he retired, one afternoon he went into a Miami theater to see a movie. And when he came in, the people that were in there started clapping. And so he sat down, then he stood back up, and turned around, and said to them, said, well, Thank you. He said, I had no idea that anyone would even uh, know who I am and, or, or remember me at all. And at which one point, one of the few patrons in the theater stood up and said, are we supposed to know you? All we know is that the manager said he wouldn't start the movie unless 10 people showed up and you're number 10. <laughs> We've been talking about hospitality the last couple of weeks. And one thing I'd like you to see about hospitality is I believe hospitality is applauding somebody just for showing up that when they show up, they find a welcome that is more than they could have dreamed or had any right to expect. And as we've talked about hospitality the last two Sundays, the scriptures Dinah has used, first of all, the first one came from the creation story. And we're reminded that the God who created the universe is bigger than the universe, and yet a God of that size somehow pulls back enough to let us have a place in this universe and give us the freedom to live and to love and to grow. And then last week we looked at what Paul said and he talked about hospitality because of Jesus, that Jesus made a place for people even when they were against God. And when you think of the cross, you see Jesus' arms outstretched, a sign of embrace, a sign of hospitality a sign of welcome. But there's something else I want you to see in the Don Shula story that I think will teach us about hospitality this morning, and that's this. Hospitality is not only applauding people just for showing up, or as Dinah said, prior welcoming them prior to any judgment we would make about them, but hospitality also perhaps may involve finding out the people that we welcome are more than we imagined them to be that there may be a surprise in who they are. Uh, we had no idea that this pastron was actually a Hall of Fame football coach uh, when we welcomed them into the theater. And in the same way, who might we discover um, when we welcome and extend hospitality to a stranger? Could, could they be even more than we imagine? Because if I were to ask you the question this morning, um, how do you welcome God? I could imagine that some of the answers you might come up with was, well, I welcome God by being here at worship. And and I think that would be an excellent answer. Or you might say, I welcome God by having a quiet time in my life. And I think that would also be a good answer. Or, I welcome God by studying the Bible. And and that is good as well. I welcome God by trying to obey God. And all of those would be wonderful uh, answers but the story this morning of Abraham has a twist in it and it's this Abraham when we meet him in chapter 18 is at the edge of his tent by the Oaks of Mamre, and, and he's on the edge which positions him uh, to be available for anybody wandering in the desert to extend hospitality to them because, as you may know, in the desert, hospitality is actually a matter of life and, and death. You, you, could be, you could suffer heat stroke, you could be hungry, you could be thirsty, or you could simply uh, be lost. And so he's there, and God shows up, and they start having a conversation in verse 1. And so that's like the best quiet time ever. It's like the best prayer time ever God shows up. You can talk back and forth. And then all of a sudden, Abram looks from the edge of his tent and sees three strangers, And what Abraham does is unbelievable. It's like he stops the conversation with God, "You wait here. I'll go tend to these three strangers. And it couldn't have been anything he did very quickly because he first had to go to Sarah and get her started on preparing. He said, I'll give you a little bread. Well, when you look at how much flour that is, massive amounts of bread Sarah's making. Then he goes and finds just the right calf with the servants. And then they have to prepare the calf. I've never butchered a calf, but I assume that's not something you do very quickly. And, and then prepare it. It's like all sorts of activities. Abraham goes through. And we wonder if God is over there kind of like on one foot and then on the other and kind of checking. It's got me to watch, um, checking things out. But but you know, God's just sort of left hanging. That's a nightmare I used to have when I was um, growing up. Uh, and when I was uh, in high school, I would always pray in the evening when I got into bed. And as you know, that that's a little bit dangerous because one moment I'd be praying and the next moment. I'd be asleep. And, I, I, and uh, back in, in those days in high school, I had a girlfriend. It's a little surprising, I know. But we would have these long phone conversations late in the evening, and then suddenly it would be silence on her end. She had fallen asleep. And so when I would pray and then fall asleep, I'd, I'd wake up the next morning, and I was like, oh, I forgot to hang up with God. God's probably still sitting there just waiting on me to finish this conversation. And, and I would feel terribly guilty about it. But such guilt doesn't plague Abraham. Who knows how many hours Abraham's involved while God continues to wait so Abraham can show hospitality to strangers. Now, as you may know, Abraham became the father of the Jews and is the model of faith and spirituality for Judaism. So the rabbis, including Jesus, spent a great deal of time thinking about Abraham. And one of the conclusions they drew from the story of Abraham is this, that it is more important or it is greater to um, treat strangers with hospitality than it is to entertain the presence of God. That in your, it is more important than having a quiet time uh, worshiping or praying, it is more important to extend hospitality to a stranger. And of course, as the rabbis continued to think about it and debate about it, they came to a realization that actually to extend hospitality to a stranger is to In fact, welcome God and entertain God's presence. It's no wonder that whoever the great rabbi is that wrote Hebrews in the New Testament, chapter 13, verse 2, cautioned the early church and he said, Don't neglect to entertain strangers because some people find out they're entertaining angels unaware. And, of course, later Abraham will find out that these three he's entertaining, of course, are messengers from God as well, if not the very presence of God, just as much as the presence of God was standing over on the other side of the tent. And so they taught the importance of hospitality. It's a great story from a rabbi's life some years ago. He was deep in the study of Scripture in in a room, and in another room was his baby, and his baby was crying and crying and crying. And the rabbi ignored the baby and continued to study God's Word. Finally, his father, the grandfather of the baby, an older rabbi, got up, went, took care of the baby, and soothed the baby, and then uh, when he had finished, brought the baby into the rabbi's room, and he said, did you hear the baby crying? And the rabbi said, yes, but I was studying God's word. And the older rabbi said to the younger this. He said, if in studying God's word you neglect the cries of a baby, you have not yet understood God's word. If you... Studying the Bible and trying to live the life God has called you to live, ignore the cries of those who are strangers or in need, then you've wasted your time in Bible study because they said you've missed the point. And so it was um, amazing the way the rabbis thought about this. And they said, what Abraham shows us is the most important thing we can do is entertain and welcome strangers. And they talked so much about it that um, there's a recent book that talks about the, the effect of all this. The book is called What Every Christian Should Know About the Jewishness of Jesus. And I don't know if every Christian needs to know this stuff, but he's Rabbi Evan Moffick from Chicago. And he says that in the first century and second century, Jewish Christians who would have read the story of Mary and Joseph would have automatically thought about Abraham and Sarah. Now, here's why. I don't know how many shopping days it is until Christmas, but it's important to go ahead and get the Christmas story in your mind right now. Let's beat the Christmas rush and think about it. The Christmas story doesn't start in Bethlehem. It starts with an angel visiting Mary and says, uh, I got some news for you, Mary. You're going to have a baby. And then another angel in Matthew comes to Joseph and says um, uh, about your fiance's pregnancy. I didn't tell you how that happened. And what both stories have in common is nobody yelled at the angels. No one called the angels a liar. No one questioned the angels. Both angel, angelic messengers were treated with great hospitality. And the result of, of both of the stories, of course, is this amazing baby, Jesus, is born. And Rabbi Moffick said that any Jew in the first or second century uh, hearing about the story of Jesus would have gone, Well, of course. You entertain angels, and one of the real possibilities is you get a baby because that's what happened to Abraham and Sarah. They'd been waiting so many years for a baby. They entertain these visitors. They leave God hanging for a moment or hours, and then the end result, uh, we didn't read that far, but if you read six more verses, they will, they're told, uh, uh, as they were in verse 10, it's confirmed that they will have a child in a year And that's exactly what happened. Other interesting parallel between the stories, Mary and Joseph extend great hospitality to the angel, but when it comes to their own journey to Bethlehem, does anybody extend them hospitality? Not so much. And then Abraham and Sarah extend great hospitality, these three angels. They go down the road to Sodom, and does anybody entertain them with hospitality? Uh, Not so much. They want to assault them. Uh, They want to mug the angels in Sodom. And so both the stories are about entertaining and welcoming God and amazing things that happen and then contrasted with some people who refuse to show hospitality and will not welcome God. So here's what I want to do for just a moment now this morning. I want to pass on, I think three really solid reasons why you would want to open your heart in life to a stranger, why you would want to be hospitable, biblically speaking, looking at the story of Abraham. And the first one is this. It actually goes back to Genesis. And that is one of the reasons you want to entertain a stranger, whether they look like you, whether their political affiliation is the same as yours, whether they're of your religion or not, whether uh, they share your beliefs, why you want to entertain them nonetheless is this. Whoever they are, they have the image of God within them. And remember the first week Dinah read from Genesis 1 where God said, let us create humans in our own image. And male and female, God created them. It says there's this divine spark within every person. And so since every person has a bit of God in them, when you welcome them, you are actually welcoming God. Even, by the way, if they're not quite acting very godly at the moment, that image is is still there I um, heard a story that I guess it's true um, it's, it's published so maybe it is and the story is about a, a, a man having a garage sale and he's got a painting and he's going to sell it for eight bucks so a woman who's interested in art finds a painting and and it's garage sale so she thinks it's a pretty good painting but she's not gonna pay what's listed on the price so she haggles the guy down to five bucks The guy sells the painting. She goes home with the painting and looks at it, and it has a familiar feel to it. And she thinks maybe even she's seen some of this artist's work before, so she takes it to the art dealer to get to get it looked at. And sure enough, it is an original work by a guy you may be familiar with, Jackson Pollock, and it is worth $50 million. Now think about that for a moment. Think about the guy who owned it at one time. He devalued it twice, first from 50 million down to eight. And if that's not bad enough, he does it again down to five. I think sometimes we don't extend hospitality because we have been devaluing the person in our midst. and Maybe we've even devalued them twice. Uh, so recognizing the presence and the image of God in people, I think, is one reason to welcome them. Another is just this. We talked about a moment ago that the Bible is pretty clear that sometimes you're welcoming, you're not welcoming the person you think you're welcoming. They may be, in fact, angels unaware. And so uh, that story uh, comes off in this. But the third one that every Jew would have gotten from this story is there's a biblical lesson here taught by the father of the Jews. And that is that when you open your heart and life to another person, to a stranger, you Plant the seed or open the door for perhaps a miraculous experience and a great blessing. All through the Bible, there are stories of people that showed hospitality and got amazing blessings. Let's start with the prophet Elijah. Elijah visits a woman and she's a widow and her son and they live in Zarephath and they're hungry and Elijah's hungry and he asked them for food. But they basically said, look, we got this little bit left right here. We're going to eat it and then we're going to die. Basically, in other words, we don't know where the next meal is coming from. And Elijah's compassionate response is, feed me anyway. And they do. They give him their last meal. But you may know the story. As long as they feed Elijah, they never, ever run out of food. And then Elijah's successor is a man named Elisha, and he travels a lot um, as a prophet of God. And so uh, there's a, a wonderful couple that, that wants to help him and extend hospitality. So they actually build him a guest room, his very own guest room, so that whenever he's coming through town in Shunem, he'll have a place to stay. And so he does. And so... Elisha wants to pay these people back for their kindness and finds out the one thing they don't have is the one thing Abraham and Sarah don't have. Years of marriage and no child. And so Elisha finds out and sure enough they have a son. And then later on in the story the son tragically dies. So Elisha coming to his guest room to his place of hospitality will actually lay on the child's body and the child comes back to life. Biblical stories of blessing from hospitality abound and from Rahab, the prostitute, all the way to Paul and Timothy. The Bible says, open your heart to another and you will receive much more than you expect. I think it's true in the 21st century. I went to a conference several years ago and one of the um, people who talked was a professional woman from an Ivy League school, dressed very professionally, very articulate, and the topic of her, her testimony was the auto mechanic who changed my life. And she talked about coming to a church knowing very little about Christ. And she got into a Bible study in small group with other women and men. And it was taught by a guy who had to get his GED and barely was able to get that, but was an excellent mechanic. And he taught the scriptures and shared his living faith. And she said it changed her life. She found in him more than she expected. I know I've experienced that in my own life. Uh, uh, my wife and I got married when I was 21 and she was 20. So like kids, don't do that at home. Um, and we moved across the country to Durham, North Carolina. And I was going to be a student at Duke. And um, I had a job as a youth director in a church. And I had never met or even talked with the pastor for whom I was going to work. He had hired me over the phone by talking to my mother. I was on my honeymoon and my, de- and my mother said, he'll take the job. And so I went up there, we moved in um, late one afternoon, so the next morning we go down the road to see him. And when we met him, he wasn't there yet. The secretary said he'll be in a minute. He came in, he was 31 years old and bald, which seemed very strange to me at the time. He was wearing a clerical collar like he was a priest, but he was a Methodist. I'd never seen that. He uh, had grease from the tip of his finger all the way through his elbow on both hands and we met him he extended his hand and we were like oh and he goes oh yeah and he goes and washes his hand he'd been working on the church bus and then he talked with this strange South Carolina accent um he's from Whitmire South Carolina and and we had a hard time figuring him out at first and then after our introductory meeting we asked him where the nearest grocery store was and he closed his eyes for two minutes and then he began to give us directions with his eyes still closed. He didn't know the name of any of the streets, but he said, you go here, you'll see this, you'll turn it and anyway, When we finished, we went out to our car in the parking lot, not having any clue where the grocery store was, and we looked at each other and we said, this is going to be a long three years. But it wasn't. It went by so quickly. I learned more about life, ministry, and marriage from my mentor, Willie, than I've learned in all my years since then. And it wouldn't have happened if we hadn't decided that even though he was a little strange, he'd never even heard of Dr. Pepper, that we would open ourselves to him and to that experience. Also, in um, in 1999, I got an invitation to go to Israel. And that was attractive. I'd never been, but they said, you're going to go with a high school teacher uh, from New Jersey who's just moved to Michigan. And you're going to go with a bunch of seminary students from this other denomination. Well, I don't know if you've ever met a seminary student, but they are the smartest people in the world in their mind. And so I'm thinking, I don't really know if I want to do this. And in, I've been in graduate school. I've been taught by people who teach like with PhDs, you know, not high school Bible teachers. And I started adding up the list of maybe, I maybe, maybe, Maybe not. 17 days. I don't know. Well, I went anyway. As you may know, the teacher's name was Ray Vanderland. And he started me on a journey. Scott would later go on the journey. Michael and Daryl have been on that journey. I think Dinah vicariously has been on the journey. And it has started us all down a road of understanding and appreciating who Jesus was in his time and his context so we know who he is for us today. And even now, those trips continue. Um, uh, Scott Hare and Ryan Jacobson um, uh, lead them. But it all started because I took a chance on some high school teacher. When we open our lives the blessings, you just can't imagine what they'll be. Whoever you think's coming through the door and the stranger, trust me, there's more than what you know or believe. Look at Abraham. He ends up with a baby, but not just a baby. The rabbis did something really fascinating with this. They said, if you notice in verse two, when he's talking to the Lord and he looks and sees the strangers, he looks up and he sees them. And of course, they turn out to be godly presence, angels likely. Um, And then when he feeds them food in verse eight. They're seated. He's looking down at them. And this is what the rabbi said. Have you ever heard that verse from Psalm 8? What is a human being that you are mindful of a human being because you have made them just a little bit lower than the... Anybody? Lower than the angels. And when the story starts out, he is looking up. He is lower than the angels. When the story ends, he's standing above the angels. And they said, the way you become as a human being, even greater than the angels, is when you extend hospitality To a stranger. So what's to lose? Who wouldn't? But I think sometimes our fear and our insecurity make us nervous about it. You've probably heard the, the uh, story, is from India, about a very poor man who begs every day. And, and one particular day, all his begging has brought him as five grains of rice. But the day's not over yet. And all of a sudden, he looks down the road, and he feels like he's hit the jackpot because he sees an elephant and a train. And he knows what that means. A train of people, including elephants, means the Maharaj is on his way. And he thought, Jackpot. I'll beg from the Maharaj. So he, he does. And the Maharaj stops in front of him. The Maharaj says, what's in your hand? And he said, well, it's the grains of rice I've collected today. And the Maharaj says, well, give them to me. And the guy's thinking, well, that's not how charity works. You're supposed to give something to me. So he looks and he counts. He's only got five. And he's afraid. So he gives to the Maharaj just two of them. And in exchange, the Maharaj takes the two and gives him two large nuggets of gold and heads off down the road. And the man looks at his two pieces of gold and his three remaining grains of rice and cries out to himself, Why didn't I give him everything? Why didn't I give him all? It's a good question, especially when we come to hospitality Because the benefits are more than we can imagine. Pray with me. We bless you, our Lord, our God, for the way you have extended hospitality to us. We give you thanks for your son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we remember this morning that in the night in which our Lord was betrayed, he took bread. And after breaking the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. We remember also that our Lord, after the supper, took the cup, and after blessing you and giving you thanks, he took the cup and gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood poured out for you and many for the forgiveness of sins. So, gracious and loving Father, we call upon your Holy Spirit that you might make this bread and this... Cup be for us as the body of blood and of Christ and that we might go into the world extending hospitality as the body of Christ. This we ask in your son's name and pray in faith as he has taught us our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us.